after another. And um,
watchful of those times. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about a watchman that stands on the wall. And when the enemy comes, if the watchman does not blow the signal or blows an uncertain sound, that, that the watchman is the one who is responsible for the loss of life in that city. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we've been given a great, great opportunity to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be watchmen set on the wall, to seek for men's souls and to try to do all we can to share the gospel with them. And uh, I, for one, am very convicted at uh, how often we fail in that area, how often uh, I miss opportunities. And I hear somebody like Brother Kenny talk about these guys at work or Brother Harold getting a, a barber and what was the latest one, the laundry, uh, dry cleaning. He had, he had to get a new dry cleaner. I told him, man, we may start a new, new ministry out of the church, have a barber shop with a dry cleaner on the side of it. And, you know, we joke about that, but the truth of the matter is those are opportunities. They're opportunities. And yet how often would we go through and do something like that and not think of it as an opportunity? That's just the course of our life taking place. And uh, I'll be honest, I, I've, uh, I've been convicted in the last... I, not that I didn't know these things, but boy, when you start thinking about them, when you start dwelling on them, uh, doesn't it bring conviction to our hearts sometimes? And I, I was awake a good while last night uh, thinking on that and praying about that. And uh, I hope that God in these, in these last days of my life whether it be by death or by the rapture, will um, help me to be much better in that area at looking for the opportunities. And um, I want to challenge you to, to, to think about those things. Think about the opportunities that God gives you. I don't care uh, how young you are or how old you are. we got some young people here. we got some people with gray hair here. Uh, God provides opportunities for all of us. And uh, each and every one of us can share the gospel with someone. So I want to encourage you in that. That's not the message, but, uh, boy, it's something that I've been really thoughtful on the last day or day here or so. And uh, pray for that. All right, anything else? Yes, ma'am. Amen. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. All right. Amen. Right. 
Amen. 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 <laughs> sure. Amen. 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 That'd be a blessing. Sure. Amen. Right, right. (laughs) 
Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yep, that he might have the preeminence in all of our lives and uh, hope that he does. Amen. Anything else? Okay, Miss Penny. Okay, good. Okay. Mick Rasher, okay, and uh, has melanoma. So pray for him, if you will. And this is your daughter's father-in-law, correct? Yep. Okay, so pray for this one. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yeah, traveling mercies. Absolutely. All right, anyone else? Okay, let's go to the Lord. Oh, did I miss somebody? Miss, oh, yep, Miss Katrina. Amen. Wow, very good. Right. Amen. Amen. I may need to get his number from you again because I need to lose some of that too. So, absolutely. All right, anyone else? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for the privilege to come to you and to know that you hear us and that you answer our prayers, that you incline your ear to us. And, Lord, you know already the outcome of the burdens that we've listed tonight, folks that need healing, some that need uh, direction in their life as they make decisions, some that need uh, material provision for their life. Lord, numbers of uh, requests have come up tonight, a number of unspoken requests this evening that you are certainly very aware of, and you know the burdens on our hearts. Lord, I, I'm sure if we went around the room tonight, there would be numbers of folks here that know of someone that is lost that we're praying for. I pray that you would help us to be used to share the gospel with them, uh, that you would open those doors of opportunity, help us to be more aware, more conscious of uh, the, the opportunities available to us, that we would take advantage of every opportunity to share the gospel. And, uh, Father, that you would uh, encourage hearts and strengthen us. Tonight, Lord, we ask that you would help us to grow in our inner man as we study your word. I pray that it would be profitable to us, that it would not just be something that we hear and we tuck away and, and forget about, but something that we would take heed to and apply. 
that we would put it into practice in our lives, and Father, that we would become more of what we ought to be, uh, more glorifying to you, more pleasing to you. And Father, that you would deliver us from all the failures, Lord, so many times throughout the day that we get so consumed with the things of this life, so consumed sometimes with our own will and our own way. Lord, even if we have to call it selfishness, there's so many things that seem to distract us from you in a day's time. I pray that you would help deliver us from those things to put our eyes upon you even closer, that we would be drawn to you each and every day. So, Father, for the next few moments, we ask that you would set aside any distractions we would have, anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit or quench him from doing his work. And as we look to your word, I pray that it will do its work in our hearts. Lord, we come prepared tonight, and I pray that you'd help each of our hearts to be fully yielded and open to the teaching of your word, and that it will be able to be effectual, being added to our faith, and, Father, that you would, uh, as we leave here tonight, help us rejoice in the time that we've spent here, Lord. The time of fellowship has been sweet. The time around your word we look forward to with great anticipation. Pray that you would use it. And, Lord, control our hearts and thoughts and minds tonight for the next few moments as we open your word. That you would illuminate the truth of the passage to us. And that uh, we would understand it clearly and well. It would be rightly divided. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, if you will, turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. We're going to begin in verse number 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse number 10. Paul writes this, and, and again, understand this is the final letter he's going to write to Timothy. And Timothy out of all of the fellows that he mentions, uh, Titus, he wrote a letter to Titus, um, Aristarchus, um, uh, several men that he, uh, Onesimus, uh, several men that he uh, certainly was close to and labored along, uh, alongside of. Um, One- uh, uh, and Timothy was certainly probably, I would think, and, and just from what I understand of Scripture, probably the closest to Paul or the one that, Paul took probably a little more interest in maybe even than others. And uh, not that he was Paul's favorite, but he was probably Paul's favorite. And you know how that is, parents. You don't have a favorite of all your kids, but you do have a favorite. And um, so <laughs> don't, you, don't you sit there and act like you're, you don't have a favorite. You know who it is. And uh, so, uh, but uh, Timothy was probably one of Paul's favorites, at least it seems to be. He put more into Timothy, seemed to have such a heart for him. He called him uh, his own son after the faith and the fact that he had invested in Timothy. And um, this is his final letter before he uh, dies a martyr's death to Timothy that we know about. And uh, he tells him in uh, verse number 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. Boy, I tell you what, I wish that it could be said uh, maybe even on our tombstones, that folks fully knew our doctrine, that we uh, had been faithful in proclaiming the Word of God. And uh, I like that Paul says this towards the end of his ministry. He says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, what's the next word here? Shall. 
suffer persecution. Now, I want to note two things here in verse 11 and 12 before we go on uh, by way of introduction. Number one, I want you to understand that it is, uh, it is, a, it is a fact of spiritual, uh, spiritual, the spiritual life that if we are going to make the effort to live godly, and to live godly means to live Christ-like, to live in a godly manner, to live in such a way that we emulate the attributes of God. We, we emulate His character, and we want to be as much like Him as we possibly can. I've shared the illustration of the young fellow that uh, was in our church years ago. His dad was a janitor there, and how, he, how this young little boy toddled around with him, about four or five years old, and he had to have keys like his dad. He had to look like his dad. He had to walk like his dad. And to this day, he still is a lot like his dad. Because he loved him so much, he wanted to be just like him. Can I tell you that that really is the, the secret of godliness? To love God so much that we just want to be as much like him as possible. Not that we're ever going to get there. Paul said he hadn't attained yet. But uh, there, there was a striving. There was a pressing toward the mark. And the mark was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He wanted to be like Christ. And uh, that ought to be the desire of every Christian's heart, isn't it? To, to find out what is God like in Scripture and then try to be like that. Uh, to make every effort to say, I want to be just like my Savior. And this is what Paul was referring to here. But he says that those people that have that desire, that, that desire to live godly and make the effort to live godly, he does make this statement. He says, shall suffer persecution. Now, some persecution is physical in nature. Some of it is verbal in nature. Some of it is, uh, is to the point of death. And some of it is very, um, uh, we look at it and it's a very violent thing. And, uh, and yet there are others that maybe don't have to suffer as much. But rest assured that because this world hates God and is at enmity with God, that everyone that tries to live in such a godly way to be Christ-like, they are going to suffer some opposition there. They're going to suffer some persecution, and that goes without saying. That's, a, that's a, uh, just a, a, a fact of, of our spiritual lives. But I want you to notice also in verse number 11, as he's speaking to Timothy, he said, you've known all of these things. He said, you've known my doctrine, my purpose, uh, my uh, manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering. He goes through some of the, the good attributes. And then he says in verse number 11, he says, you know about my persecutions, my afflictions, which came into me in Antioch and out of Iconium and out of Lystra. What persecutions? I want you to notice this. Paul endured them all. And this is one of the things that I think many times we fail in is when the opposition comes, when the criticism comes, when the, when the, the, the person says, oh, uh, I don't want to hear it. I, I, don't want, you know, I, I think you Christians are hypocrites. And they go on and on. And they give us a hard time. We, we usually tuck our tails between our legs and walk away. Paul endured this. It didn't cause him to quit. I've heard people say, well, I don't like to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ because I've had so many of them get mad at me when I tried to share the gospel, and they just quit. Can I tell you this? You know what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do, what Jesus taught his disciples to do? If they reject him, dust your feet off at the door and go on to the next person. Doesn't mean you've got to roll up your, your, your tarp and quit. Doesn't mean you got to put the sign on the door, I'm sulking here in the corner and having my own pity party and I'm not going to do anything else. I've got to keep on going. If this person won't listen to me, I'll go find somebody that will. And Paul says, I endured. I, I continued on. I didn't quit. I kept, I kept pressing. I kept going. He says, I endured these things. And notice what he says in verse number 11. And this, I believe, is the secret to enduring. That he had the confidence that God would deliver him. 
I love reading the story of the three Hebrew boys standing before King Nebuchadnezzar. I just do. And uh, they get up there before the king, and the king, you know, he, he tells them, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance, fellas, as if they had already, that, that was going to make their difference, you know. They'd already chosen the furnace when they first denied the king and, and defied him. He said, I'm going to give you one more chance. And notice what the three Hebrew boys said. He said, we are not careful to answer thee concerning this matter. And we're not anxious about this in the slightest, is what they were saying. It doesn't even worry us. We will not bow. He, they said this, our God will deliver us. They had absolute faith that God would deliver them. And the thing is, they understood that either by life or by death, God would eventually deliver them. And they were willing to suffer either to be delivered by the Lord. I'll tell you what, that's a great testimony, isn't he? Isn't it? Uh, to be able to say, you know what, God will deliver us. I'm going to endure the persecution. It may cost me my life, but that's just deliverance. God may choose to keep my life and to spare my life here, and he'll deliver me some other way. But God delivers, doesn't he? And Paul had this confidence, and he had this strength to endure because he understood God has been faithful to deliver me from all of them. Oh, that we as God's people would have that kind of faith. We were talking Sunday afternoon about the apostles and the, and the disciples that walked with Jesus and saw all the miracles that Jesus had done. And, and, and I said this, I said, when I look at Peter and I look at some of these guys, and, and, and Jesus, Jesus looked at those disciples sometimes and said, Oh, ye of little faith. And I think, when I read that, I think, Lord, what does my faith look like? I, I've never done the things that these apostles have done. I, I would be scared to death to do what Peter has done. I, I, we, 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 we give Peter a hard time. And, you know, Peter was full of frailty. You know what, you know what Peter does to me when I read about him? He gives, me, he gives me encouragement that if God can do something with Peter, he can certainly do something with me. Peter, as much as he was flawed, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. He's the only person in history other than the Lord himself who's walked on water. And Jesus called him a man of little faith. Peter, in the Garden of Gethsemane, here comes the band of soldiers, armed men, these men of war. I mean, all of them coming at Jesus, and they're going to arrest him. What does Peter do? He pulls his sword out. I don't care if I'm the only one, I'm going to take you all on. Come on, bring it. And he, he tries to lop a man's ear off, doesn't he? That's a man of faith. I'm not sure I would have done that in that situation. Oh, that we would learn to be people of faith. And Paul says, I've endured them all. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. He endured because he saw him who was invisible. He saw the Lord was able to deliver him. He goes on down to say this, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Notice verse 14. This is our message tonight. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Yesterday afternoon, I got a phone call from my son. He was, at, he was on the property, so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, something's got to be wrong if he's calling me, and he's on the property. He's like, Dad, can you come back here to the woods? And I thought, oh, no, here we go. I said, what's wrong? 
he took his little go-kart thing he drives around out here, and he tried to go down the hill in the back there in the woods, this cliff that goes like almost straight down. And he got it down, and he couldn't get it back up. The wheels were spinning. It was muddy back there, you know, the Missouri mud that just... And he was spinning, spinning his wheels, wasn't going anywhere. He was giving it all the juice. He was putting all the power and all the effort he had gotten out of. And he didn't want to call me, I could tell, because he had gotten out, and he was trying to pull this thing out by himself up the hill. And it's pretty heavy, you know. And uh, he couldn't get it out of there. And it was tangled up in some of the briars, and the wheels were wrapped up, and just it was going to be a hard thing to get out. And he called me to come back there. And he, I, I got to thinking about that uh, this afternoon as I was reading uh, a little bit more about the message tonight and getting things ready, the last-minute stuff, putting all the notes together, that Paul tells us to continue thou. And there are times when I am going through life that I feel like I'm putting all the effort in, I'm laboring, I'm still doing all that I've always done, but I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. My wheels are just spinning. I don't know if you've ever been there before. There's times I feel like that. Paul, Paul's trying to encourage Timothy, and I think, he, I think he kind of alludes to that in these verses if you look at the context of this, of this challenge that he gives to Timothy. I think he's trying to tell Timothy, look, it's not, always going to be, it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be some persecution. This world's going to wax worse and worse, and, and, and you're, going to, you're going to labor and you're going to work, and you're probably going to feel like you're spinning your wheels somewhat, and, and you're, going to, you're going to have the, the, the temptation to just say, you know what, I, I might as well just quit. Paul said, I endured because I knew God was going to deliver me. He says, Timothy, I want you to continue thou. Don't quit. Don't give up. I want to challenge us tonight to continue. It doesn't matter what happens in the days ahead. And boy, I'll tell you, we're living in some troubling times. There's no doubt about it. And there may come some things in our life that we've not yet had to endure, but we may in the future. There's writing on the, uh, on the wall, it seems like, to tell us that there's some things coming our way that we've never had to deal with before. And there may come a moment in this church and in the lives of each of us where we're going to have some frustration and we're going to be laboring and we're going to be serving God and we're going to be doing everything the right way. We're going to be reading our Bibles and walking with Him and persecution is going to come and we're going to say, well, where where'd this come from? I, I'm not going anywhere. I don't feel like anything's being done here. I'm I'm stuck. What are we going to do when that time comes? And Paul tells Timothy, he says, continue thou. Continue thou. I want to give you four things before we go tonight that I think will be a help to you. Things that I believe the Apostle Paul was able to hold on to that helped him to continue, to endure, to press toward the mark, to finish the race and keep the course. Let's look, if you will, in Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 3. Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 3. The Bible says, And he, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. 
We find here the conversion experience of Paul, whether it happened at this exact moment on the Damascus Road or shortly afterwards. We know that during this time period of Paul's life, there was a transforming work of God in his heart and in his life. We look back on it in our situation, and we call it the time that we got saved. There was an act of faith involved in a transforming work of God that happened in our lives. And one of the things that caused Paul to continue keeping on, to keep on enduring, was he always would remember back to what God had done for him the day he got saved. I'm going to tell you what, if you get frustrated, you get ready to throw your hands up and quit, it doesn't take very long about thinking about what God's done for you to begin to have encouragement to say, you know what, I, I can handle the sufferings of this present world. I can endure them. I can keep on. If our Christ could walk to Calvary, then surely I can endure persecution. What happens when these times come in our life? We're to continue in these things. We're to continue. We're to keep pressing on. We're to keep moving forward. What is it that motivates us? We need to remember our the work that God has done in our lives with the fact that we've been saved. In Genesis, in the book of Genesis, we've been studying through the book of Genesis and Exodus, and we uh, went through the life of Jacob. I enjoyed going through Jacob's life. Out of all of the three, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I think I enjoyed Jacob's life more. I could relate to him probably more in a lot of ways. But when Jacob left and fled, Esau, his brother, and he the first night out in the wilderness, he came to a place, and there he had the dream of the angels descending and ascending to heaven on the stairwell. And after he woke up the next day, the Bible says that he took some stones and he made there an altar and a place of remembrance, and he called this the tabernacle where God was going to dwell. And several, uh, several chapters later, we read that later on in Jacob's life, after his family had gotten involved in idolatry and uh, his wives and uh, his children had uh, brought uh, uh, graven idols into the homes, that Jacob said, listen, we need to get back to God. And he knew right where to find him because he had placed a memorial. And he said, we're going to go back to Bethel. That's where God met with me. Before we do, we're going to cleanse our house. We're going to get rid of these idols. We're going to break them. We're going to cast them out. We're going to get our lives straightened out. Can I tell you this? We all get to places in our lives like Jacob and his family. We need to remember where God met with us. We need to remember what He's done for us. You say, Brother Greg, in the face of persecution, in the face of all of these things that Paul endured, how did he keep on going? I believe Paul remembered the day he got saved. The miraculous event. Because we understand that this event impacted Paul so much that his response to Christ was, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It didn't matter at this point what else was going on in Paul's life. There was one thing that he knew. This person speaking to me from heaven is my Lord, and he has absolute authority over my life. I'm going to surrender to Him. I'm going to yield to Him. I'm going to give Him my all. And He did. What do we do? How do we go through these trying times of persecution? Whether we've gone through them yet or not is yet to be seen, but certainly it's a possibility we can go through them in the future. How are we going to continue? And I encourage you tonight, make sure that we don't forget what God has done for us. 
the great salvation, the great mercy, the great grace that's been given to us, the great price that was paid and given to us freely. Our Savior going to Calvary ought to be all the motivation needed to keep on keeping on. Number two, we need to remember that we have a great mission. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter number 16, verse number 9. Again, Paul trying to, trying to follow what God has for his life in Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 9. The Bible, the Bible says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Can I tell you this, that whether you are called to pastor a church or whether you are called to preach does not relinquish our obligation as Christians to preach the gospel everywhere we go, to be proclaiming it, to be, to be lifting it high, to be defending it, telling folks that need to hear the gospel, we have a mission, we have, we have a work to do, and God has given us the great privilege, hasn't He, to serve in it? He's given us the great joy. Those of you that have had opportunities recently to, to, to talk with people about the Lord and to encourage them in things, isn't there a joy attached to that that you just can't hardly even explain? There's a joy in that. Can I tell you, that is the great privilege of the Christian life, that God has given us a mission to reach this world. And by the way, He's given us a mission to reach our generation in its entirety. And until that generation is reached, we're not to quit. We're not to stop. We're not to give up. We're to continue in the things which we have heard. Number three, we should never forget that our service... The work that we do for God, it's not about us. You know when we are most prone to quit? When we make our service about us? I've shared this before, and I have a hard time sharing it. But there was a very dark time in my life just a few years back, not very long ago. Very dark time. And... Uh, I remember sitting in my house, and the thought came to mind, Lord, I've served you 30 years plus at this point. I've labored, I've sacrificed, I've done without, I've been faithful as I can be. Not that I haven't failed you in some ways, but I've, Lord, I've, I've made it my heart's burden and desire to serve. And this is what I get. I actually thought those thoughts. And in that moment, there was a thought that I'm sure the devil put there. And that was, Greg, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just leave ministry? You don't even need to be involved in this. I tell you this, it didn't take but a second for my heart to be convicted, to realize that that thought was very prideful. Very arrogant. Who was I to think that 30 years of serving God was, a, was something that benefited God? That I was giving, boy, wasn't God lucky to have me for 30 years? I didn't say it that way, but in essence, that's what I was saying. 
And I tell you this, our service, it's not about us. It's all about Him. We serve because we have a great Savior. Not because we feel obligated to. Not because we feel like we have to. We do it for Him and we do it for the lost. How do we keep on keeping on, get our eyes off of the fact that our service isn't about us? It makes it a little easier when the persecution comes to just keep on. Because it's not about me. It's not about me. And can I encourage you in this? It's not about you. It's about the, the Lord that we serve, the God in heaven that we serve, that we labor for. It's Him. The compassion, the heart that He has for the lost causes us to have a compassion and a heart for the lost. First Corinthians, if you will. I don't want to just give you my opinion on that. Let's give you some scripture for it. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 1. I quoted this the other day in a message, but in verse number 10, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together and in the same mind, the same judgment, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name, and I baptized other also the house of Stephanus. Beside, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of the words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul was saying, it wasn't about me. If it was about me, the, the preaching of the cross would become of none effect. You ever feel like you share the gospel and there's never any, any fruit for it? Maybe it gets to the place where it's become about us. I, I was in some Bible colleges and colleges, and I, I know that I understand their, their heart and their, their, their sincerity in some issues, but I, I think that their motivation was completely wrong. It was all about numbers. It was about how many, how many, how many, how many. We filled out activity reports. Here's how many, how many, how many. Can I tell you this? If it became about what I was doing, it was made of none effect. We preach the cross of Christ because of Christ. We preach the cross of Christ because there are people that are lost and dying and on their way to hell, not so I can fill out an activity report. Not so I can put a number on a board and say, well, we had so many people saved this week. We're out here trying to reach people with the gospel, and some people are all about the bookkeeping. Can I tell you this? We've got to get to the place where it is not about us. Paul made this statement. He said, I have planted and Apollos has watered, but God giveth the increase. Oh, that we would learn this lesson. You say, Brother Greg, are you not concerned that we have more people saved? Oh, I absolutely am. But when my Bible tells me that when I make it about what I'm doing, 
it makes the preaching of the cross of none effect, then what am I doing at winning people to the Lord anyway? How many are slipping through the cracks? How many are slipping through the holes of the nets in my own life when it becomes about me? And by the way, when it becomes about you. That makes it a little easier when the persecution comes, when those trials come. It makes it a little easier to endure because we're not doing it for our sake. We're doing it for the the sake of our precious Savior and for the sake of the lost. I'll give you one more verse six minutes after, so bear with me. Look with me if you want 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. Never forget, number four, never forget who we are in Christ. Never forget who we are in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 22. Let's back up to verse number 21. Let's go to verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called, being a servant, care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with the price. Be not ye the servants of men. book of Galatians, if you take a moment then turn over there. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10, Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of God. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Remember who you are. You're a child of the King. Look with me, if you will, in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter number 2, verse number 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. Peculiar people. Zealous of good works. Remember who you are. When I was a kid, if I left the house, I got to be a teenager and would go somewhere without my mom and dad. Many, many times as I would leave the house, my mom or dad would say, remember who you represent. Remember whose child you are. Something to that effect. What they were saying is, not only did I need to make sure I did not cause shame and reproach to the name of our family, but I needed most importantly to not cause a shame or reproach to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a child of the King. Paul said this, 
He said, I endured. Christ delivered me from them all. He delivered me from them all. How can we endure? We need to have the faith that Paul had. Say, come what may, God's going to, God's going to deliver me. You say, Brother Greg, what if it costs me my life? <laughs> Paul said this, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? It's gain. It's gain. Folks, persecution is going to come to the godly. We know that. The Bible tells us. We may suffer some of it now. We may think that, boy, what we've been through has been persecution. I'll be honest. It's not been the persecution that some have had to pay. That's for sure. You ever get to the place where you just want to quit? You feel like you're just putting all the energy into it and you're not going anywhere. The wheels are just spinning. You get frustrated. You say, God, I'm ready to quit. Let's remember these four things, can we? And perhaps it will help us to just keep on keeping on. It will help us to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Pray that you'll bless it and use it, Lord, to challenge our hearts and our lives. Or there's, there's days, there are rough days that some of us go through. And we get to the end of the day. It's been difficult. We've been through some things. Some of them we don't even feel like we can share with our own brothers and sisters in Christ. They're so uh, personal and some of them are so deeply uh, burdening and help, uh, hurting to us. And, uh, Lord, the, the truth is there are times we just feel like throwing our hands up and saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Lord, may we learn to continue thou. Like Paul did, as he told Timothy, continue thou. Lord, may we keep these things in mind. May you encourage our hearts to keep on keeping on. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.